Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Also Sport Podcast. We delve into Formula E's Mario Kart future and ask if Jean-Eric Verne has got the title sewn up. Jean-Éric Verne took another step towards the Formula E title with an emotional victory on home soil in Paris. And there's also some big news about the future of Formula E with news that there's going to be a more Mario Kart version of, uh, of racing, which we'll, uh, we'll delve into in, in, in some depth. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me to explain exactly what is going on with uh, the future of Formula E is our correspondent, Alex Kalanorkas. Hello. So, Alex, let's go straight into it. Are we going to see Lucas Degrassi firing the red shell to hunt down Jean-Éric Verne and Marc Ingrois getting the, the thing that makes everyone else small and running them over? Are, they, are, these, the, are these the devices that are going to spice up the show? Well, as we've just been saying before you hit record there, Ed, I, I have no idea what that means because I've never played Mario Kart. I know that's a terrible admission to make considering, as you said, I live we you know lived through the late part of the 20th century and early part of the 21st century. Yeah, never played it. But what I do understand is that from next season... Formula E is, uh, and the FIA, they're evaluating creating special sections at each circuit where the drivers will have to go offline or away from the ideal line. Uh, once a race, a bit 
the comparison is would be to a joker lap but it's it's nothing like that it's no it would be nowhere near as long so they take this section once they've done it they'll have access to the higher power modes that are coming with the season five cars so that's where the mario kart thing comes in because it would effectively mean you've you've gone away you've you've driven over your stars or your bananas or whatever it is in america and then you can go quicker so it would add that strategic element that formula e might otherwise be missing next year I guess this is referencing what we talked about in the last Formula E podcast with having no pit stops for, for car changes. You need to create some some variety. So you you take this sort of little extra lane and that, that triggers your your extra power. Yep. So it it's it's a solution to what is, could be a real problem next year if there's going to be no car swaps because when you look at a Formula E race that is one of the most entertaining things about it in the current form is that the drivers get out of the cars it looks pretty spectacular as we've seen with the uh, removal of the minimum pit stop time things can go wrong uh, and it does shake up the racing now when they're not going to be doing that next year there's a there was a real danger of it becoming processional and as we've all seen with Formula One races that's that's not what people want anymore motorsport there is a big argument for it going to the entertainment route. Now, you someone could you could very easily look at this uh, this proposal and say it's very gimmicky. Well, is it? I mean, to a certain extent, yes. But Formula E needs to be doing something, and for a long time they've been all about bringing in gaming aspects and getting you know people involved that way. And I think this is an, an interesting way of doing that, of shaking up the racing, keeping things fresh. I guess it depends what your definition of a gimmick is. It is kind of a gimmick because it's something that's unusual, but. It's to create that variation, isn't it? And I guess it's a way to use some extra power. You have to work out some way to to make it use. I guess the interesting thing is how it'll be used strategically because you instantly think, right, well, what are people going to do? Well, you'd think if you're up near the front, you'd want to save it for later in the race because of safety cars, etc. You don't want to use that up uh, gambling early on if it could be wiped away and then suddenly you've got... Lucas Degrassi behind you hasn't taken his, his extra boost, and then you're going to be um, you're going to be kind of a sitting duck for those those few laps if you're leading. But how do you sort of see the racing panning out? Is it is there a high level of confidence that this will create enough variation to be interesting, or will people kind of converge to similar approaches to it? We see everyone just piling through it at the same time. Well, Formula E CEO Alejandro Gag said, "Absolutely, we won't have processions next year," which is a good start. But um, I think it's going to be it's going to be good if you're if you're in the pack, if you are in that line, maybe a bit further down, you think, right, well, let's just get it out of the way. Then I can use my my higher power mode. So what we don't know is how that that's going to be used with the with the new technology that's coming. Are they simply going to be a case of take it as early as possible, run for as long as you can in the higher power modes? We don't know that. Don't yet know that at this stage. Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because we don't know the exact form this will take because the FIA is going to have to, uh, I, th- I think the phrase the gag said is there'll be a joint communication between Formula E and FIA they need to approve the rules and obviously there's various different ways of doing it I kind of assumed that it, there would be a set time scale for it that you get the higher power mode for two laps three laps or whatever and that that's your window of attack but could there be some more variation in it could it be I guess if you if you have some cooling issues or whatever and you want to manage the temperature you might not be able to use it all in the same way is it a certain amount of energy you can use and you might want to use they a sort of slightly less peak power for a longer period. There's all sorts of ways that this could could change things. I guess that exactly how they frame it. Whether it's a completely binary, right? You've got X number of laps of that, and then it's gone, or whether it's something a bit more malleable. Absolutely. Unfortunately, that hasn't been made clear at this stage. But what what is also a question that we've got to factor in is Formula E's other gimmick, for want of a better word, which is fan boost. Where does that come in? Is that a higher power mode still? We haven't had that answer yet. Fan boost is a funny one, isn't it? Because it it's been derided, but it's 
it seems to have worked okay in so far as it's not big enough to dominate the race or anything. It's, it's a small thing that creates a little bit of interest. So I, I guess that's something they will uh, they will try and carry over. Absolutely, and it's not. It comes up in the second cars these days, and it's not a massive feature anymore. You know, it's not it's not particularly controversial. So um, I, I'd see this going the same sort of way. And anyone who does object to the idea of it being a gimmick and, and and a bit different, well, have a look at WRX and the Joe Collapse there. That's that's been around for a while, and it's 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 part of the furniture now. Same with the the sort of team time trial element to the World Touring cars that they have. Yeah, I must admit, I'm not a big fan of the Joe Collapse in Rallycross because I actually think that's a disincentive for racing for the simple reason that if you and I are running, say, first and second, and there's a third place guy, if you go at the Joe Collapse, then me and the guy who are still on track are thinking, well, actually, we need to not battle too much because you're out of track position and you, you'll be gaining time on it. So I'm a little bit wary sometimes with whether the Rallycross Joe Collapse actually, actually a curse rather than, rather than a blessing. But this is slightly different. You're not you're not kind of racing with someone on a different bit of track in that scenario. So, but, but it will be down to how you can make the most of it because it'll come down to when you've got some space on track, for example. So there could come a point where if you're running, I don't know, seventh or eighth and there's a, there's a nice little gap in front of you, you might think, oh, actually, now this is quite a good time to do this. And although there's a risk, we can make up, there's a risk of safety car wiping out any gains. If you've got a bridge over a, a four second gap to the car ahead or whatever, that might change the, the rest of your race. So I think there probably will be enough different ways for it to be used that will interest people. And initially we'll probably see some of the teams that are thinking on their feet doing a, a better job of making the most of it. I bet early on we'll see somebody who's just sort of 16th and suddenly they've made a load of gains just through using it at, at, at the right time. It's, it's difficult for Formula E, isn't it? Because, They've got to create these things to to make interesting variables, create racing, and race teams are generally so good now that you do see fairly consistent performance throughout races. So it, it, what's encouraging to me is that whether or not you like this manifestation of it, and obviously the, the Mario Kart comparison is a slightly trite way of doing it. It's not as over the top as that would be, although I think that would be great fun. I'd, I'd, I'd definitely pay to see that. It is good that they've said there, there could be a problem here, so let's try and address it in advance rather than just hoping... We'll muddle through and everything will, everything will come out okay. Completely. They've taken the the non-F1 approach, which would be to set the rules, realise that there's a problem, and then try and reset the rules later on. They've gone, this could be an issue, so let's work around it and what we do. But just very quickly going back to the Joe Collapse thing, I always thought that Joe Collapse would be perfect for Formula E because of where the races are set in the cities. If you've played, uh, if you looked at some video games, you can actually just have a totally different bit of the track that comes back on now there's obviously a considerable safety factor that you've got to have in with single seaters in just rejoining from a completely another area of the city but uh but yeah it would certainly have been an interesting thing for them to have done yeah it's an option i guess it reflects something of a so word probably word, the word probably is malaise in motorsport in that everyone is trying to make it as interesting and exciting as possible to try and keep attention it's it's more important for something like formula e formula one ultimately has got quite a a big status it's very well recognized it's it's seen as the pinnacle so people still do watch it even during the the more predictable and, and flat races but for something like formula e which does really stand or fall on it being interesting and actually i think those who set aside their prejudice towards well so for some it's prejudice towards electric vehicles for some i'll accept there's a genuine dislike you might not like the fact they're quiet it's not a major problem for me but Fair enough, that, that's legitimate. You may not think they're the quickest single-seaters because they aren't, but they're not quite as slow as sometimes people make out. But they are interesting races, good drivers, 
there's there's things happening. Yeah, the criticism that Formula E is is, is not good sport, etc. Obviously incorrect because motorsport is the sport. Um, but it just it just doesn't work. It it's very interesting racing. I think the cars sound great personally. They're not particularly loud, but they sound interesting. And and now we've got they're trying different approaches, and they should be applauded for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, all credit to them for uh, for taking it on. Well, let's have a little bit of a look at the actual race in Paris. Fantastic backdrop and, and setting in, in Paris. It ticks your boxes, Ed, for being right in the city centre because it takes place against the backdrop of the Les Invalides uh, Palace there with the tomb of Napoleon. And then you've got uh, the Eiffel Tower, very easily seen from the track, uh, the River Seine. It's all there. Perfect. That's what that's what we want to see. Definitely keep it in the uh, in the heart of the city, and hopefully uh, it did attract some attention. Although I was in Baku for Formula One at the weekend, and it was very noticeable that you have all the uh, the, the sort of, for want of a better word, sheeting up on the perimeter of the circuit. So it's very very hard to to actually see what's going on inside it. So uh, hopefully it was a little bit more discoverable, should we say, for the uh, the people on the streets of Paris. So Jean Eric Verne. He won. He had a bit of a mediocre weekend in Rome, but still came away with a good result last time out, which which says a lot. But pole position, won the race. He's got one hand on the title now, hasn't he, with the amount of races we've got to go? He absolutely does. It's very, very hard to fault his performance in Paris at the weekend. He's actually since said, or he said in the pre-race, uh, pre-event press conference in Paris, that uh, it felt like he'd broken his finger in Rome, and he really did felt that that did hinder him, whereas he said at the time that it had no impact on his driving. That, that was in the practice car change, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, where they, they always um, they always practice ahead of the event, you know, doing the car swaps, etc., which obviously won't be a problem for next season. But yeah, he was he was, he was was phenomenal in Paris, uh, went, came out in Group 1, they, in, in the group qualifying segments, the, the the drivers at the top of the championship had to go first, and both he and Sam Bird, very impressively, made it out, made it through to Super Pole, and Verne stuck it on pole. In the first stint, Bird chased him pretty hard, with Andre Lostra back in third place, and again, Verne, like he did in Punta de Leicester, it was a defensive masterclass from him there. Came out of the car swaps with a little bit of a gap, and from there he just managed the gap. He wasn't putting the car under any pressure he didn't have to hustle anything he just did what he did brought it home and he's massively extended his, his championship lead this is again John Eric Verne just looking very 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 together isn't he absolutely and he's refusing to to think about the title he's taking the the race by race I like to call it the Nico Rosberg approach let's give the same answer every time we're asked about the championship title but what he is what he, what he did say was that his mentality is that it's always better to be chasing than to be the one being chased. So therefore, even though he is the one being chased, he's he's saying, I'm coming into every weekend, level on points with Sam Bird, Felix Rosenquist, who's a little bit further back in third place. And I want to leave, leave each weekend with more points than they have. So I'm chasing at the same time. Well, it's a good approach for him to take because the reason people talk about taking it race by race is if you start taking your eye kind of off the, the ball of just doing your job, step by step is always the boring phrase that people use. But if you're thinking about the championship landscape that will distract you from just doing your job normally and so what Vern will be trying to do is think well if I just keep doing my job as a racing driver which is trying to win and get the best possible result normally if he does deliver the best possible result he'll either win the championship or he'll get beaten but he wouldn't have been able to win anyway because by definition he's done the best job so that that's the mindset and drivers really have to work hard to keep into this so it's not it's not only the people they're speaking to when they answer the questions about step by step I think it's themselves sometimes when they're just trying to make sure they just keep that because it must be so easy to get kind of a bit kind of grabby for it if you see what I mean uh, particularly when you're getting so close to the end of the season because we've only got um I mean is it three races left four races left four races three rounds yeah. well we did see a little bit of uh, controversy behind Sam Bird 
Andre Lotterer, their their battle well right from the start to the to the end of the race. We saw Lotterer have a bit of a go at the first corner, couldn't quite uh, make it stick, and then he squeezed him. Yeah, yeah, and that so this and then it all ended in tears at the end when Lotterer went out of power. So just run through the various stages of that battle and the controversial denouement. So in the first thing, Lotterer sort of uh, gave Bird something to think about in third place. He didn't really have any any attacks at that point. But when they came out of the car swaps in the same order, uh, Lucas de Grassi had got past Mauro Engel and was running fourth. So he closed the gap down to Lotterer and Bird, who were then by that stage a bit further back from Vern. Uh, coming into sort of the final final third of the race, Lotterer attacked Bird um, with quite an aggressive late move down at, at, into the turn 10 uh, right-hander uh, he was all locked up looked like would he make the corner would he not would he go into the barriers uh, just got it completely stopped on the apex and bird turned in on him there was contact at the back there the stewards did have a look at that but uh, as we'll come on to they had something rather bigger to focus on later on i uh, decided to take no action of course because it, it did look like a pretty much a racing incident there but what it did do was that allowed degrassi to get past bird so lotterer and degrassi uh chased, went after chase chasing after Vern in the lead and it looked like it was going to be another Tachita 1-2 after we saw in Santiago. It was going to be the second, formerly second ever 1-2 again for the same team. But on the last lap, uh, well, actually in the previous few laps, Degrassi had really been pushing Lotterer hard and he just basically forced him over the edge on energy so that when it came to the final few corners, Lotterer completely lost it. The car just what goes into the shutdown conservation mode and he there's nothing he could do. Degrassi was absolutely furious after the race because he felt that uh, Lotterer had tried to defend with no energy. But he got by, went on to finish second. Lotterer was coasting to the line, creeping round, desperately trying to get round. And at one, just before the final corner, Sam Bird arrived. He still had his energy, ploughed straight into the back of him. Uh, the stewards felt that Lotterer, while at the last moment he attempted to get out of the way, he was fully to blame for causing the collision and he'll take a 10-place grid penalty at the next round in Berlin. But Sam Bird actually finished the race with three wheels, with one wheel hanging off his car, uh, and also wasn't very pleased with what Lotterer had done on that lap. Yeah, in many ways, Bird was fortunate he was able to cross the line in, in third place. He could have ended up with nothing. Lotterer came home six behind Engel and Sebastian Buemi. Well, I think realistically, look at it. John Eric Verne, 147 points. Sam Bird, 116. Felix Rosenquist, 86. It's almost inconceivable Rosenquist could come back from there. So it, it is basically Verne's to lose now, isn't it? He? he just needs four decent results and, and he's away. But Bird has been consistent. So he's going to be there to take advantage if uh, if things go wrong for wrong for Verne. But it's a shame Rosenquist not in that mix because he's been quick ever since he came into Formula E and, and he was looking every every bit the title contender after he took those back-to-back wins. Completely. And he's arguably been FE's quickest driver this year. He's been phenomenal at times. He did say that perhaps Paris is sort of a Mahindra bogey, bogey track. I didn't feel that he went particularly quick there last year either. But he's coming to Berlin next up where he won both races on the road last year but had the second one taken away for a time penalty. What also I would say about Sam Bird is that Maybe he needs to. He needed to be making a move on Vern in that race when he could. He had a little nibble right at the end, towards the to the end of the first stint. But finishing second wouldn't have done him any favours. He still would have lost ground in the championship. And I think he needs to be. At, he's getting to the point where he needs to be making the moves if he's going to have any any hope of uh, taking the title off Vern. We did see some moves from the the Audi drivers, Lucas Rossi coming to second, and Daniel App was doing plenty of overtaking on his way up to to seventh it's still been a weird season for the for the uh, the Audi team but you know again showing that car does have the good race pace completely everyone's constantly saying how good the Audi is but he's got a bit of a problem going from practice to qualifying we saw it in Rome and again in Paris Degrassi topped practice and both he 
and Daniel Apt went slower in qualifying, which means that they're out of position. They have to do either alternative strategies or get extremely racy in the pack, which is what we saw. Brilliant moves from Daniel Apt to make up the order. They need to be qualifying at the front and then sailing off into the distance. So fixing qualifying is the next thing that they've got to sort out. Any hint as to what's causing that? Is that just the drivers not delivering? Presumably the lap time's in the package, so... Well, that's where you've got to look first, isn't it? It's a li- I think perhaps a little bit of that because we saw Degrassi said he touched the wall twice in Rome and that cost them. They did deliver. He did deliver in Punta del Este, of course. He would have had pole position had he not clipped the massive. Uh, well, actually, it was it wasn't massive. It was just quite tall and thin. This orange bollard that totally. Uh, I think four of them did so in Super Bowl. Maybe three of them in Super Bowl. Anyway, Vern crashed. Shouldn't have been on pole, but because they'd all gone off the line and touched the bollard, he was promoted. So perhaps a little bit of drivers stepping up but it's certainly something Audi have said that they're going to focus on ahead of the next round yeah it's fairly clear if you look at the grid positions for for Degrassi over the season you know that's why Isman has defended his title well partly that and partly that he had a few retirements but they've been making they've been making it very 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 difficult for them for themselves uh, we talked a bit about Sam Bird, but there's been a little bit of a change with the DS Virgin team he drives for, hasn't there? That's right. They've uh, they've they've sold the majority stake to a Chinese renewable energy company called Envision, which is reportedly one of the largest wind turbine manufacturers in the world. And they also do various things with the Internet of Things and smart cities, and all sounds very Formula E and yeah, very solid. But they're now the majority owner of the team, but it will still be Virgin Racing going forwards. It's a good sign of how Formula E is attracting the kind of commercial partners that it should be. You know. If you look at what might be called green tech as a very broad term, uh, there that's there's a huge amount of investment and spending going into into that area. So Formula E is just a a great lightning rod for this, particularly with the fact you've got so many companies who are trying to make names for themselves and get themselves out there. It's uh, in a way it's it's kind of the the perfect platform for them. I don't, I don't know if there's any other sporting properties that quite offer what Formula E does in terms of its. Uh, just to use the word but the synergy mm-hmm. yes in terms of the message they can then they're, they're not just saying you know we are green but they actually are they're promoting that ev message and there's plenty of companies out there that have got marketing budget that they're like that's the message we want to promote so that's what formula has got to tap into also the Tachita team has announced uh it was, it was a couple of races back now but they're, they're sponsored by a cryptocurrency firm which is very 2018 that's a very uh it's a very different sponsorship approach yeah, and I suppose if <laughs> Formula One teams will be looking over at this sort of thing and with a little bit of envy, enviousness, I guess, given that uh, that there is this this USP that Formula E's got. I guess it's something Formula One tried to go down the line of with its with its engine package, but it ended up with a little bit of a halfway house. And yeah, we saw Bernie Eccleston suggesting Formula One's going to have to go electric at some at some stage. So it's uh, yeah, very, very very interesting times. And the key is Formula E is also also producing uh, on the track. Now the next race is in Berlin on the nineteenth of May. Are we expecting more of the same there? Is it is it going to be another John Eric Verne benefit? Do we think? I I honestly can see Felix Rosenquist coming right back. He'll be right on the pace there. He was phenomenal in twenty seventeen. Uh, also, still question marks over Sebastian Buemi and Renault. Again, he was very subdued in Paris. He had the same uh, energy advantage that Lucas Degrassi had in the second stint, but he just couldn't he couldn't put it to good use. He couldn't get past Mario Engel. So surely at some point we're going to see the two big hitters, Degrassi and Buemi, winning a race. It's Audi's home race, so they'll be wanting to do something, so they've got a now qualifying there. It'd be something special if we get through the whole season without Buemi or Degrassi, who've been the two preeminent Formula E drivers. 
Some, getting, getting a win between them. Certainly, something of a shock. I mean, I, to be honest, I'm surprised that neither one of them has won at this stage, especially Degrassi, considering what we know about the Audi's pace. And he must still be kicking himself a little bit from the punter qualifying mistake because that was a race where he really would have just sailed off into the distance. Oh, exactly, exactly. And in fact, mention of uh, of Buemi, we, we saw in the in the build-up to the weekend and the build-up to the race, there was the news that Alan Prost is no longer involved in the, the EDAMS team. Uh, which he owned at a stake of, I believe. So what, what's the story there? Correct, yeah. So Jean-Paul Drio has bought back Alain Prost's stake. So he still um, remains as a director in some capacity, I believe, at least until the end of the season. But when Nissan come in, it will be a partnership between uh, Jean-Paul Drio's EDAM's squad, which is the entry, and Nissan. So yeah. Alain Brost. Uh, I think it was a combination of things. Perhaps Renault leaving has played a, a, a part in it as well. Also, he's now more heavily involved with the Formula One squad. So that would have been a lot of traveling and a lot of uh, going around, you know, visiting all these different races in different categories. Should we assume that's very bad news for Nico Prost, whose results this season have been pretty dreadful? I think we could well assume that that's bad news for Nico Prost. He has said that his, his contract is perhaps not as firm as it could have been so yeah perhaps we could see some some changes at what will be nissan edams next year yeah well certainly it, it becomes quite difficult to make your case when you're uh what's he got seven points so he's down in 18th in the championship and even though bromi's had a difficult season he's up there in fourth so uh yeah the as formula e seems to have gone on Prost seems to have struggled more and more which i guess is a, a function of the advantage that dams had on pace in the first year or edams i should say he's in their uh, regular single season terminology there has gone so you know if you're a bit off your game you can you can lose a lot of positions a lot more cars waiting to uh waiting to get in between you and the front mm, completely and uh team boss Jean Paul I spoke to him in Paris and he was saying we've got to have a complete reset because there's stuff that they tried to do since they rocked up in Hong Kong and realized that they weren't gonna be able to have it all their own way and, and perform in the way that that they needed to there was a little bit of going down avenues that they thought would bring extra performance, but then it didn't. And there was a little bit of panic setting in. So he's very clear now. We need to make changes, but not reinvent the wheel, reset and get back to what we were doing that made us so successful in the past. And yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it again. I wouldn't put it past them doing that before the end of the year because they have, they have been so successful in, in the last few seasons. Well, you can't, you can't really fault the team overall. It's, uh, well, any category they've been in, they've generally, uh, they've generally done very well. And even if there have been fallow periods, which they have been, they've, uh, they've always been able to come back. But it would be interesting if the team's competitive and strong next year as Nissan, there'll be a, there's another potential seat there for, uh, for a, a top driver to come into. So it'd be interesting to see what, uh, what goes on with the driver lineup there. Indeed, and uh, Jan Mardenborough, Nissan pack driver, was spotted in the paddock in Paris. He was having a look around at Formula Racing. It was all about. I, he, I think he has tested one of the Formula E show cars. I seem to remember being at Donington in 2014, and he drove a, a demonstration car there at some point. Oh, well, a Nissan driver would be a logical person to put in there. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been doing a fair bit in Japan recently. So, uh, yeah, there may be an opportunity there for him to do it. But I imagine there's going to be a lot of people uh, making phone calls to Nissan to uh, offer their services. Oh, it's a very desirable seat, that one definitely well as we said the next race is later this month in berlin so we'll uh, hopefully reconvene for a podcast after that thanks very much alex kalanorkas for your insights please check out autosport.com for all the news and features on formula e and all the rest of the world of motorsport and alex's fantastic report on all the goings on from paris is in this thursday's autosport magazine i say fantastic but i haven't actually read it yet so i will be doing that straight after this podcast i'll be interested to see uh, because as we speak if i may break the fourth wall briefly ed um the auto the magazine hasn't arrived in the office on the wednesday before it comes out to the shops i'll be interested to see if my line about uh, how 
under grey skies, the race got underway with uh, the air uh, heavy with enough pollen to make hay fever sufferers everywhere have tears in their eyes, which happened to me a lot and is why I'm uh, particularly nasally on this podcast. So apologies for that. Well, given that's something I battle with, uh, not so much being nasally as such, but hay fever, I have, I have sympathy with that. So I also hope that line has, has stayed there. France is obviously a troublemaker. Le Mans is the worst one. There's, there's, some, there's some kind of tree pollen there that's just a nightmare at Le Mans. So whenever I'm there, I have to dose up on antihistamines. And various drivers have, have battled with this. Jan Lammers, a Le Mans winner, has, has always struggled with this at Le Mans for the, for the same reason. So uh, there we go. I hope his sneezing attacks weren't, weren't like as I had in Paris weren't as bad weren't happening behind the wheel. Yeah, that's uh, that's a bad time for that to, for that to happen. Well, that seems a good place to bring things to an end. So, thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.